Did you know that your body is made up of 70 trillion cells? There's an amazing communication process between your hormones and cell metabolism. And on this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast, we bring back Dr. Jeff Matheson to discuss cellular metabolism. the early 1900s we started giving uh, you know this mercury powder to for teething babies and stuff like that i mean just insane finally i think the american dental association came out with a warning but only 70 years later right so mercury amalgams was used since the civil war <laughs> I mean, yeah why, why are we using something that's 160 years old yeah <laughs> dentistry not gone anywhere since then I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, I'm so excited to bring back Dr. Jeff Matheson to discuss cellular metabolism. After you listen to this episode, you're going to fully understand how your body works at the cellular level, how hormones and oxygen and nutrients connect to your cells so you can get amazing results on keto and intermittent fasting. We're going to discuss the good fats, the right stable fats to have on keto versus the bad ones. We'll discuss the dangers of taking fish oil. Fish oil is a billion dollar industry and we talk about the flaws in the fish oil research and why we recommend getting off of fish oil. It's gonna be controversial. We also discuss how incredible your body really is, how your metabolism is designed to help you heal. You have this innate intelligence inside of you and Dr. Jeff Matheson, he's a brilliant researcher and doctor. He explains it so very well. So this is gonna be a very dense episode in regards to the scientific literature. He explains it in a great way so you could understand it and apply it for amazing keto and fasting results. If you remember, Dr. Jeff Matheson has been on the Keto Cam podcast two times before, episode 136, where we dive into how your genes turn on and off vegetable oils and cancer, how life begins and ends in the cell membrane. And then he was also on the podcast episode 75, where we really got into the research on fish oil. We will put links to both those episodes down below so you can listen to them after this one if you haven't heard those yet. Before I bring on Dr. Jeff Matheson, I wanna say thank you for choosing the Keto Camp Podcast. My name is Ben Azadi, I'm your host. I am the best-selling author of three books, functional health practitioner, founder of Keto Camp. Here at Keto Camp, we are on a mission to educate and to inspire one billion people on planet Earth to deliver the information on ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and other tools we have available to us right now. I wanna take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review titled Grateful from Big Time 225. I've been on and off keto, but hit a plateau and got frustrated. Listening to these podcasts is helping me in my understanding of how to adjust to my personal needs, working on healing the symptom and trusting 
the healing will follow. Thank you. Big time. Good job listening to the show. When it comes to plateaus, it's important to create adaptation and mix things up, focusing on the cause. The symptom goes away by default. I know that's what you meant with the review. Uh, so you, you're in the right place. Just keep learning, keep applying this information. We wanna make sure we're always changing up our routines when it comes to fasting, the keto foods we're eating. That's why I developed a concept called Keto Flex, which will have a new book out all about that soon. So I'm also grateful for, for you, big time, 225. Thank you for taking the time to leave the rating and review. It helps the show grow. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating or a review yet on Apple iTunes, please do so on Apple Podcasts, excuse me. What that will do, it will help the podcast gods and the algorithm, if you will, understand that this is a valuable information and it'll help deliver this message to more people. So if you leave the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, please take a screenshot of your rating and review and send that to support at ketocamp.com, camp is spelled with a K, and we'll reply with a downloadable link for my Keto Flex cookbook with 21 fat-burning recipes. Now this retails for 21 bucks. You'll get it for free just for leaving the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Submit that to support at ketocamp.com. Just a reminder before I bring on Dr. Jeff, I've been doing some really cool things on Clubhouse. If you're not familiar with Clubhouse, it's only available for iPhone right now, but it's a voice messaging app where we host these live rooms and you could actually join the discussion, ask me questions, uh, have a comment. It's all using our voice, it's not video. Every Monday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time, I co-host a Clubhouse room with Cynthia Thurlow. Cynthia Thurlow is an incredible resource. She has a podcast called Everyday Wellness. I've been on there, she's been on the Keto Camp podcast. We co-host and we talk about fasting, fasting strategies how to use it for weight loss, insulin resistance, diabetes. So if you would like to join our clubhouse room, join us Mondays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. My clubhouse handle is the Benazadi, and then you could just search Cynthia Thurlow to follow her as well. We go for about an hour and a half, sometimes longer on these clubhouse chats. So hopefully you could catch the next one. I'm going to be hosting a free ketosis masterclass this week to discuss four ways to really master keto and intermittent fasting. I dive deep into my pillars. I give away free downloadable gifts for those who attend. I'd love for you to attend this week's webinar. Head to www.ketosismasterclass.com to register your free spot. Okay, let's bring on Dr. Jeff Matheson. Dr. Jeff Matheson is co-founder of an all-natural migraine and headache center which promotes a non-narcotic approach to pain and headache management. And is also the co-founder and medical director of Pure Life Science. Dr. Jeff Matheson successfully practiced medicine in emergency departments across Canada and internationally from Ontario, Newfoundland, Abu Dhabi, in the United Arab Emirates. He was later appointed medical director of MedEmergic Inc. in 1998, a company dedicated to staffing underserved hospitals in Canada. Dr. Jeff has been on the show several times, and let's bring him on the Keto Camp podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's uh, always a pleasure. You, I was just telling you off off air that you're the first, well, the second person after Dr. Pompa to make a three-peat, third time on the show. How do you feel about that? <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the Michael Jordan uh, three-peat. Uh, we got to do it three <laughs> more times, and we're good. Totally. Yeah, get the six, get the six rings there, right? 
And the previous episodes, we discussed fish oil. We talked about the cell membrane, the mitochondria, and I'll drop some links down below if you want to check out. It was episode 136 where we talked about the cell membrane. We're going to get into that today. And then episode 75 where we talked about the research on fish oil, which we will still get into today because it's still a lot of people are still taking the fish oil and they're not, they don't understand how bad it is, but we'll get to that. I want to discuss the cell when it comes to a lot of people who are teaching keto and fasting and just different areas of nutrition and health. Not a lot of them are really focused and understand how the body works at the cellular level. And I would love for you to just break it down again for, for the keto campers. How does the body work? How do nutrients and hormones and oxygen communicate with our cells to do the job of producing energy and feeling good? Yeah, so uh, obviously we're made up of about uh, 70 trillion cells. And think about it like the, the we're a, a cooperative of cells. I mean, you know, our liver is only so big because that's how big it needs to be. And our kidneys are only so big without communication. How would they know that that's only how big they're supposed to be? So there has to be communication at all times, not only within each organ, but between organs, right? Uh, that's all done through cell membranes. All communication has to go through the cell membranes because that's the basic divider between the outside world and the inside world. Cells that are in contact with each other can, can release very short-lived compounds, cytokines, things like that. Whereas um, cells that are distant, so organs that are distant from the other would release hormones, but the fundamental communication all takes place on that cell membrane. And so if you do not have a healthy cell membrane, communication breaks down and odd things start to happen. So again, all hormonal issues can probably move down to unhealthy cell membranes. And when you get into sort of things like cancer and things like that, unrestricted growth, again, unhealthy cell membrane. So it's extremely important to keep the cell membrane healthy so that the cell knows what it's supposed to do and knows when it's, and more importantly, knows what it's not supposed to do. Because they all have the same genetic code, right? Each cell in our body has the exact same genetic code, but those the expressions of those genes are highly variable based on what that cell's supposed to do. And without communication and an ability to communicate efficiently, you're going, you, you run into trouble. And, and of course, we see that when you walk down the street in any North American city today, you see lots and lots of people with unhealthy cells walking around. And, and it's usually not hard to spot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not hard to spot. It's very common. And the uh, example that I always give, it's like, for example, if I were to unplug my headset mic right now and you were communicating to me, I wouldn't be able to hear you. You would be frustrated. I'd be frustrated and there will be dysfunction in this communication process. It's the same thing with our cells. And you, and you touched upon hormones. A lot of people think they have a hormone problem, meaning they need to take more hormones. They got to take exogenous hormones, which might help them feel better temporarily, short term. But the problem is not necessarily a hormone problem. It's, it's, it's the communication. It's a desensitized hormones or hormones. So explain that some more. Well, the, uh, the, the hormones aren't simple, right? So think of it like a symphony, right? There's, there's actually multiple different hormones. And a lot of these pathways of the hormones have go both directions. So there's a balance. And if you start adding exogenous hormones into the system, you're going to push that uh, system out of balance. How that affects you later on down the road actually is really difficult to predict. If you actually see the whole hormonal cascade, it's extremely complicated. In fact, it, it probably, should, it, to understand it, you have to map it in almost three dimensions. And so it's like poking a balloon, right? You know, you got this balloon with all the hormones that you post on one, poke on one side, you know, it, there's going to be something going on on the other side, but you, you may not necessarily be able to predict how it's going to look on the other side. 
And so if you keep dumping exogenous hormones into that system, you're going to get more and more unbalanced and eventually you're going to pay the price somewhere down the road. Now, I have certainly uh, dealt with patients who have hormonal issues and, they, and you can use uh, bioidentical hormones for a short period of time, but unless you correct underlying nutritional deficiencies, they wear off. I mean, I, I find that people, when you correct their nutritional underlying issues, usually within six to nine months, they should be able to come off all exogenous hormones. You shouldn't, shouldn't need to use them forever. So, yeah, exactly. And I heard Dr. Pompa once give a brilliant analogy on exactly that. Like, so there is a time and place for bioidentical hormones. It could help them. It could help support them as you do things to reduce the cell membrane inflammation. But if you're just taking the exogenous hormones, then it's like going to the gas station and you get out of your car and you see that the gas, the gasoline, um, uh, what is it called the, where you unplug the thing to the gas pump? Oh, the pump, yeah, oh, the, the, the nozzle. The, the, not the nozzle, but anyways, the, the part of the car that opens up where you put the gas, gas in. Gas cap, yeah. The gas cap. That's, what I'm, that's the word I'm looking for. So the gas cap is locked. So you grab the nozzle now from the gasoline, and instead of getting it into the car because it's locked, you just pour it all over your car in the backseat and drive away. <laughs> that will not work, right? The same thing. we got to figure out why is the gas cap locked? Why is there inflammation so that's the goal there so when you have that inflammation around the cell like dr jeff is, is explaining now the good stuff can't get in the bad stuff can't get out and explain that some more what, what are some of the bad things that start to develop inside of the cell when it can't get out of the cell uh well i mean you're, you're interfering with all these uh, all these pathways and the one that um affects people probably earliest is mitochondrial issues the mitochondria is a very high energy place it's supposed to produce lots of energy but it can be screwed up fairly easily. And of course, the first thing that people feel is fatigue. They just don't have the energy anymore. And that's that mitochondria sort of breaking down. Later on down the road, you, you know, you may get, uh, you know, uh, deficiencies in, in nucleic acid replication, you get, uh, you get genetic issues showing up. And that's when you sort of get these, you know, weirdo cancers that have these genetic abnormalities that keep showing up. But that's late in the cycle. But the initial result, you're probably just going to feel like, like crap, you're just gonna mm -hmm. you're just gonna have no energy and feel you're not getting good sleep and you know that that sort of stuff, and that's a sign that you're going down this path, and uh, you're you're building up toxins that are that are impeding, you know, those enzymatic pathways that allow you to produce energy efficiently. Yeah, and those and cells produce energy and toxins the same way. Like if I burn firewood right here, and if it, the smoke can't get out, it's going to be a toxic environment. Exactly. Exactly. And of course, uh, we are, we're all in a uh, sort of a smoke filled room now, as long as we uh, wear facial coverings, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a, a different, a different rabbit hole. Or you should double up the face, facial coverings. <laughs> yeah, CNN. Oh, my God, I'm watching CNN. Uh, there was a town hall this week, because I just caught it in the corner of my eye. And one of the Twitter questions was, should I wear three masks or four? And it's oh, my like, gosh. Oh my, come on, really? You should believe in your body's immune system and, and that the microbiome. That's what you should do. Yeah, that's what you should do, yes. Okay, so you talked about hormones. Hormones can't communicate. The mitochondria begins to dysfunction. So the mitochondria is this like battery pack for the cells that produces, produces ATP, which is kind of like the gasoline of the cell. And when that's not functioning well, you get fatigue, you get energy issues, you got to take a nap, you, you just don't feel good. And then... The allopathic model would be to treat that, right? Oh, you're tired, take something to pump you up. Oh, you're too hyped up, take something to drive you back down. But the symptom is far removed from the actual problem, which goes back to the cell. It's the inflammation in the cell. And we're going to talk about what are the most common things that cause inflammation, but I, I still want to stay on this point 
of how when this communication process is disrupted, you don't feel good. So we talked about hormones. Let's talk about nutrients now. If there is inflammation around the cell, but you're taking a whole bunch of supplements, those nutrients need to connect and get into the cell too, right? Again, it's uh, if you have an unhealthy cell membrane, things can't get in. The same as things can't get out, right? It's a, it becomes more of a barrier. If you think about it, when you uh, the cell membrane is 50% fat on average, and those fats, the fatty composition of that cell can vary from you know 25% omega-6 to 33%, a little bit of omega-3, and so and about 50% of its saturated fats, and then the rest is all proteins, you know, uh, which are sort of the home, you know, that's how the hormones get in and out and, and make changes and stuff. But if you have abnormal fats in that cell membrane, that membrane becomes more like a plastic. And as anyone knows, when you put saran wrap, a plastic wrap on something, not a lot of stuff gets through. Mm-hmm. And if you think you're doing that to every cell of your body, you can see very quickly that if you, the more you make it your cell membrane like saran wrap, that cell's not going to be very happy. You won't be able to get good things in very efficiently and you won't be able to get the bad things out very efficiently. And, you know, it's only a matter of time in that kind of situation that you have total cell breakdown or the cell becomes horribly abnormally functioning. And of course, that's when you start getting into, you know, cancers and things like that, if it's over a prolonged period of time. And that's, of course, shown by the work of Otto Warburg, which we've talked about before in the show. Um, If you decrease the amount of oxygen any cell by about 30, 35%, and think of the wearing masks and stuff, that cell will turn cancerous. Bar none, it'll turn cancerous. And that is called the Warburg effect. It's been shown repeatedly, and uh, and he was right. You know, turn your cell membranes into plastic, you're going to get a problem. Yeah, I know personally for me, Dr. Jeff, when I was going through my heavy metals toxicity, I had eight silver amalgam fillings, and I wasn't really focused on the quality of fats and, and nutrients in my diet. I was taking a whole bunch of supplements and they didn't do anything for me. And I'm wondering, why am I spending hundreds of dollars? And I know a lot of people feel the same way, right? That's right. You can't get in. If you can't get in, they can't get better, right? And it's interesting you talk about heavy metals because that's obviously a huge issue in our society now. And heavy metals have quite an affinity for, for fats, right? And so, yeah, so, you know, they're not supposed to be there. We have, But we have tons of them. The mercury is a classic one, lead, you know. Arsenic was, you know, a big problem in the in the 1800s and early 1900s, and of course, in the early 1900s, we started giving, uh, you know, this mercury powder to for teething babies and stuff like that. I mean, just insane. It's criminal. That's criminal, and they are still putting mercury silver fillings in kids' mouths to this day. Uh, yeah, now finally, I think the American Dental Association came out with a warning, but only 70 years later, right? So. A warning, but what what is the I mean, what does the warning say? Are they still allowed to do it? They're just warning the patient. I think they yeah, they, they warn the dentist that they should, probably shouldn't be probably not a good idea. Oh, really? Okay. But it's you know, amalgam mercury amalgams was used since the Civil War. <laughs> yeah. Why, why are we using something that's 160 years old? Yeah. <laughs> Dentistry not gone anywhere since then. Oh my gosh, I know. And, and you know, even to this day, when I put out content about the dangers of silver fillings and I share my story. I still get some dentists who are not holistic dentists who say, oh, that's a whole bunch of BS. They're, they're totally safe. They've done blood tests after, you know, with those who have the mercury in their mouth. Well, that's because it vaporizes and it goes into the tissues and it's not going to show up on a blood test. And they're not, they're, you know, they don't understand that. 
No, they don't get it. They don't get it. They just think that, you know, mercury hides out in places, right? So it binds to stuff. So just taking a blood test is not going to give you a very good, unless you chelate it out and then do the blood test or do right. the urine test, you're not going to get a whole bunch. Interestingly, the um, the new generations of MRIs that are being developed, one of the, the so the original MRIs were like 1.5 Tesla, which is a sort of the strength of the magnet. But they have these new nine Tesla MRIs that are much faster in accumulated image. But one of the problems they found is people with mercury fillings, it was it was it was actually vaporizing the fillings. Jeez. And so it was actually dangerous, not only to the patient, but dangerous to the staff in the MRI suite. That's how much mercury vapor was. It's like wow. There's a video on YouTube called The Smoking Tooth. Have you seen it? It was like a three or actually a fifty, I think a fifty-year-old. A tooth that has mercury 50 years later and it was still vaporizing and, and you know we chew on food we drink hot beverages it vaporizes even more and that gets stored in the hypothalamus pituitary which is that control tower for the hormones mercury has an affinity for the thyroid because it blocks selenium selenium helps support the thyroid and then all of a sudden we have thyroid function so it's important everything that we're talking about here is going upstream to fix the cell in order to get well like dr pompa always says so we we established that the cell is important we got to make sure we support it heavy metals going upstream that's one area now how does keto ketosis keto the, the right way the way that i teach it and fasting help support the cell and the cell membrane well, the, uh, the ketosis itself, it's, inter it's interesting because it this was a paper published a few years ago. They looked at brain function. Now, the brain is about 70% fat. So they looked at brain cell function and they compared the keto diet to carbohydrates. And they found that the brain operated on keto about uh, seven to, I know, so nine to 11 times more efficiently than on carbohydrates. And, uh, but, but it's, <laughs> this is how ingrained the idea of having sugar in our diet is is the people who actually authored the paper still said in the conclusion that carbohydrates were important for brain function, <laughs> even though in their actual paper and the results, they found the complete opposite, which That's is crazy. which it just shows you how hard it is to do that. But fat-based energy production is way more efficient. And we know that, right? Because you know, the amount of calories you have in a in some sugar, the number of calories you have in a in a, an equivalent amount of fat is about nine times more. So the body's designed to operate in fat. Just, just you know, think of what we we would have been eating. You know, the whole caveman diet, right? We we don't have. There's not a lot of sources of high carbohydrates. We're not going out and you know, uh, most of us are not picking sugarcane and chewing on that all day long. If we're we're living in Europe, uh, you know, a hundred thousand years ago, you're killing things, eating the, the protein and fat from the animal, and you're eating plants you pick out, most of which are you know root vegetables and stuff, which are got low sugar content and mm -hmm. stuff or it's in very starchy form that's very hard to access for us so they're you know a little bit of honey once in a while is the only the only thing you'll going to find sweet back a hundred thousand years ago yeah every single one of our ancestors did keto their environment forced them into it just like you said it was it was a luxury when they found some honey or some fruit or some tubers and then they got out of ketosis which is also good to do but they didn't you know they they flexed in and out they had the metabolic freedom to do so and that's what it's about and i can tell you this and it wasn't until i started to do keto and fasting that my brain turned right on mentally sharp mentally focused whenever i give a lecture in person i make sure i'm fasted i'm in ketosis because i feel the best versus eating carbohydrates a lot of people have the misconception that you need carbs 
for your brain to function. If you're locked in and stuck as a sugar burner, yes. But once you achieve metabolic freedom and flexibility, your body could actually manufacture glucose from fat and from protein. <laughs> you don't actually need it. Well, that's Just, right. So they did that study where they got people into nine weeks of ketosis and they gave them insulin to drive the sugar levels down. And they drove the sugar levels down to very low levels, which would be levels that most people would probably have a seizure with. And they felt fine mm. because their brains were not working on carbs. They didn't need to maintain that carb. So the whole idea that we need, we need to keep a certain amount of sugar around because their brains need it, that's actually not true. When you go into ketosis, the brain just loves that state way better. And you talk to anybody, you, you're a perfect example. It's like as soon as you get into ketosis, your brain instantly just wakes up. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like it's like because it just it's the switch just goes on, right? Right. And you wake yeah. up one day and say, "Wow, I'm I'm clear." Exactly. Yeah, and you meant yeah, the brain's mostly fat. You said that, and also the cell membrane. You also mentioned earlier, it's about fifty percent fat. And you said also you kind we kind of brushed over that, but twenty five to thirty three percent of the membrane that is made up of fat is from omega six. And a lot of people hear omega six and they think, "Oh, bad omega six, bad." Is omega-6 bad for you? No, it's not. It's a, it's the processed omega-6 that's bad. So think about it this way. The, the omega-6 has two double bonds on it. And if you look at the triglyceride chain that has the omega-6 on it, I don't want to get too complicated in the biochemistry, but... No, do it, do it. Get, get basically, if you're, thinking, if you're thinking of three legs there, the, the omega-6 will have a bend in it, right? And so, so it creates space around it. So think about that in a membrane, it's creating space, so it's creating fluidity. Mm-hmm. But if you have an oxidized omega-6 or, or, or damaged omega-6, that bend becomes straight. What happens? You have more compaction in your cell membrane. Well, think about you know plastic, right? That's what it is. Now you have a compact cell membrane. A cell membrane is not as fluid. It's going to be much more obstructive to the barrier. But also think about the proteins that are floating around in that, in that milieu. If you have a really stiff membrane, those proteins are then, then going to decrease their function as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's all sorts of things happen. I mean, uh, and we can talk also talk about oxygen delivery, which is extremely important for omega-6. People don't realize it because there's literally only one study that's ever looked at it, but linoleic acid, which is the omega-6 that we need, it's the, it's the essential fat. If anyone's seen the previous interviews, they know what that is. It has the same oxygen binding capacity as hemoglobin. And what's really interesting, of course, is hemoglobin is also intimately bound to the cell membrane as well. So they, they work together. It is not, you can't separate the, the mountain to different pieces. We, nature doesn't do that. So the membrane is both structure and it's function. It does both. And it's a very dynamic place. If you actually see a microscopy of, of a live cell membrane, it is moving extremely fast. And it's taking, you know, that oxygen on it from, from your lungs through seven cell membranes to the mitochondria in almost no time. It's amazing how fast it is. In fact, and as you probably know, uh, People, after after they take the proper omega-6, take a big swig of it, they feel better pretty darn fast. They can feel it. And my favorite story, of course, is uh, that last uh, uh, event that we were allowed to go to uh, in California where we had a a woman who was in her 70s, and she says, you know, I take fish oil and I run 10 kilometers every day, and, you know, very, very healthy person. And I said, so you know your body pretty well? She said, I do. I said, well, try this. So she took a big swig, and she waited for 30 seconds. She says, I'll take two bottles. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that was the one in, that was the event in boca not california right no, uh oh that's right it was boca with me right yeah in boca uh, yeah, it's boca. yeah and you, you said fish oil right so let's let's get into that and then we'll get into what is the the best alternative to get these stable fats so what what is the issue with fish oil you know i, I 
let's go right into it and really shock some, some heads today. today. All right. So fish oil is high in EPA and DHA. Most of your, your viewers probably have heard of that. EPA and DHA are 20 and 22 carbon fatty acids with five and six double bonds. So they're, they're much what we call unsaturated or much more unstable. That makes them uh, certainly at our temperature much too labile for us to be ingesting. They're in fish. Well, they're found in fish because fish live at zero degree centigrade. So they need more unstable fats in their cell membranes or they would just freeze. They wouldn't be able to move. If you think about, you know, uh, I don't know how many people out there swam in zero degrees water, but once your body temperature gets down to zero degrees, you're not, you don't move very well, mm -hmm. right? And, and the whole idea of getting fish oil on our diet was done, you know, came in in 1976, was a really bad study in Greenland. I think I've, I've gone through that sort of history before. But not only is fish oil too unstable for us, it's not really needed in very large quantities. And so we have an enzyme pathway to convert the, the two essential fatty acids, that's the, the little lenic acid and little lenic acid, from into, the, into adequate quantities of, of the DHA and EPA that we need. In fact, this was done, uh, NIH actually looked at this and they looked at the brain and that's where everybody thinks, oh my God, we need tons and tons and tons of EPA and DHA. Mm -hmm. And it turns out the brain only uses about seven and a half milligrams per day. It's very seven little. Seven milligrams, right? So you say you double that for the rest of the body because obviously the brain is very heavily fat. Mm -hmm. You're talking about only 15, 15, 20 milligrams per day that we actually use. That's how little, not four grams what is the average amount of fish oil that the average person takes? Uh, one capsule is usually one gram. And some people take four of them a day, right? Because they tell just just put it in there. It's great. You can't do anything wrong. But that's, you know, that's a, a, a 40 times overdose. It's a physiological uh, overdose, a mega dose of, of uh, EPA and DHA. So what does that do when you have that much fish oil? Well, you know, you think about it. When, it. when it hits your stomach, your stomach is a high acid environment. It's also very warm. Well, those are two situations right there where an unstable fat like DHA and EPA are going to get heavily damaged, mm. immediately get oxidized and stuff. And now you have an oxidized fat, and an oxidized fat is a rancid fat. So, you know, if someone goes into a fish market, that fishy smell, that's a rancid fat. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to oxidize the fat almost immediately upon taking it. Now your body has to actually deal with it, right? Has to actually get rid of it. So you think about all the people taking tons and tons of antioxidants, well, you know, an oxidized fat, you have to protect your body. You use antioxidants to do that. So, it's, so all those people taking fish oil and antioxidants, they're literally canceling each other. Other so the body is using antioxidants that could deal with other things that are very important, and it's using that to deal with the fish oil that's now rancid. Now, there's going to be somebody who's listening or watching, and they're going to say, yeah, but, you know, I take the most pristine, the best fish oil in the world. What about those, you know, high-quality fish oils? Well, how, how do you determine that? Like, if you think about how fish oil is actually derived, you, you don't squeeze the fish right away as soon as you catch it from the ocean, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what they do is they, they catch a bunch of fish, they, they clean them, they throw the livers and stuff in a barrel, and then they, that's what they process into the fish. Now, what they have been doing is they've been actually disassembling the, the triglyceride chain and then recombining them, and then they have these esters that are more stable. But, I mean, those things are not part of the natural human diet, so we don't even know how's that really affecting us long term. You know, so, you know, there's that, um, that's the, the, the prescription fish oil that was approved in uh, about, uh, what, three years ago or whatever. It's completely artificially put together, and... It's interesting that the study that got that approved by the FDA 
the placebo they were using was mineral oil. Mm-hmm. And they had people take literally take mineral oil for four to five years. And, you know, giving yourself a poison and then judging it by giving them less of a poison is not a very good way to get a drug approved. Well, it is a very good way to get a drug approved, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's not very good for the not very good for the person though. Not good for the person. It's a whole bunch of fraud there. Okay, so let's say it's somebody taking like a prescribed fish oil, one that's higher quality, so it's it's less oxidized once it gets into the body. Still, there's some oxidation, but it's less. Is there another problem? Can the cell now be become too fluid? by getting too much omega-3 and getting an omega-3 dominance by taking too much fish oil? And can that interfere with that cardiolipin, which is a very important fat in the cell? Yeah, for sure it can. A couple of things can happen. Well, you talk about flu- uh, you know, increased fluidity. Uh, how many people are on high-dose fish oil that have problems with nosebleeds? That happens quite frequently, right? They bleed a lot. They, you know, they, they don't clot very well. I mean, that's a sort of an obvious example of fluidity. But if you start forcing stuff into the mitochondria, which you can do if you really overload yourself with, with omega-3 fish oil, you will start forcing those omega-3s into mitochondria, specifically the cardiolipin. And this study was done just a couple of years ago where they looked at the mitochondria of, uh, of cardiac cells. And they found by if you force omega three into those into those mitochondria, the enzymes that are responsible for generating the energy, which is along the electron transport chain, the number of enzymes actually drops by about half. Wow! So now you've got a, a mitochondria that's only half as efficient as it should be, right? Is that because it's pushing? Is it pushing out the cardiolipin? Is it removing? Yeah, it? It, it's you're literally replacing it. Yeah, because huh. you, you know you can force these things into anything if you overdose enough of them on it. Most obvious example, if people are taking fish oil and they want to look at themselves, look at your skin, hmm. right? There's no omega-3 in the skin. Uh, it's almost all, it's a thousand to one omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. But if you look at people taking high-dose fish oil, they, they get age spots. Hmm. And that's oxidized omega-3 because it's not supposed to be there. So you're, you're literally forcing fish oil into places it's never been. And what's interesting about that study is when they replaced, gave them the proper omega-6, back, all those cardiac uh, uh, mitochondrial enzymes came back to normal. But if you think about what the mitochondria does, if you reduce the electron transport chain efficiency by 50%, well, what are you left with? You're left with the Krebs cycle and anaerobic metabolism, right? And therefore, you're going to get, you know, you start getting this cycle where you're producing a lot of lactic acid and things like that, getting that acidic environment, you know, and, you know, how long can the body go on that sort of a process? There's a much uh, less energy produced for every pass through that cycle and of course you can't go there's lactic acid that has to be dealt with so it becomes a real tax on the body so you're actually making yourself less efficient and can be substantially so if you really push it that's crazy what was the where was the study published about the mitochondria 50 percent less efficient uh, I, I'll have to look it up. I don't have yeah, it. Yeah, could you get it to me so I can put it in the notes? I also want to reference it. I know that in uh, Brian Peskin, our, our mutual mutual friend, he wrote the book, The PEO Solution. And I don't know if it's the same study that you're referencing. but it, you know, it, it came out after that book uh, okay. was published, but uh, he does know about it. He did a, I think he did a write-up about it, a supplementary write-up, but it's not in the book itself. Okay, so in in his book, there is uh, he referenced a, a study that showed when these patients were taking fish oil, they had the inflammation around the cells. They were measuring their cellular membrane inflammation, and then they removed the fish oil, the unstable fats of the fish oil, and it took on average uh, about four and a half months, eighteen weeks, for their their inflammation to go back to healthier levels. Yeah, yeah. So it take, if you're really on a lot of fish oil. It will take a while for you to reset and push all that stuff out. 
Uh, whereas people who aren't, aren't taking anything, when they start taking these fasts, generally in about two weeks, they notice a big difference. Okay. Okay. And then before we get into an alternative to fish oil, which we have one that I use, before we get to that, what are some other bad fats on keto that a lot of people might be having of what I call dirty keto that also create inflammation and this problem of adulterated omega-6 fats? Well, any processed fat, I mean, canola oil, soil, corn oil, any generic vegetable oil, anything that's been processed like that is just, just horrible. I mean, if you saw the way they make that stuff. <laughs> There's videos on the internet, on the YouTube, yep. You never, never take it in a million years. But but here they are, you know, they got rows of that, you know, golden oil. And they say, oh, that's really good for you. And it's like, mm -hmm. you can cook with it and do all those sorts of things. It's like, no, you can't. You should not be consuming that stuff at all. I mean, there's a, a study that just, you know, came out a couple of years ago with mice showing that both canola oil and soil make Alzheimer's disease much worse. Jeez. And again, brain is all fat, right? Anything that affects the fatty composition of the brain, you're going you're gonna to have issues with. But, you know, how many negative canola oil things that we come out, out with is very interesting because they were actually studying that the original paper's intent was to study the benefits of canola oil over olive oil. <laughs> right? How'd that work out? And that's right, they found the complete opposite. And they were like going, what? <laughs> and of course, olive oil is a neutral oil. But, but yeah, the authors themselves were stunned. They didn't mm -hmm. realize that canola oil was so bad because, and as you know, it can be very frustrating to read keto studies done in animals yeah because they always say well the ketogenic chow from pre you know pre whatever the dog chow or monkey chow or cat chow or whatever they use uh -huh. if you look at the ingredient list it's almost always got soil or canola oil or something like that and they say oh that's high fat so that's that's keto right and so then they say oh well they all died of cancer it's like oh well that's interesting i guess mm -hmm. keto doesn't work right yep. and then <laughs> but you look at the ingredient list of what they're feeding these animals in these studies and it's like this is insane yeah. you can't give them that stuff it's crazy Oh, so true. Great, important point because a lot of even conventional doctors and nutritionists and dietitians will say, they'll talk about those studies. Oh, I've looked at the studies and keto, you know, you'll look good, but you'll look good in your grave, right? Like you'll look good with a heart attack. And it, it's really doing the audience and their, their patients and clients a, a big disservice because when you look at the study, like you just mentioned, it's the bad fats. Yes, they're keto. Technically, they're keto friendly, but they're not. It's not healthy. It's not clean, stable fats that the cell membrane loves and thrives on. And you could do keto the right way, and thrive. And that's that's the point of Keto Camp and our mission to get that information out there. Oh yeah. Well, the first, the first, uh, and this is a historical perspective. The first partially hydrogenated fat to hit the market was Crisco in 1912. Right. And Crisco was uh, everybody loved Crisco because it was stable on the shelf. You didn't have to refrigerate it. Mm -hmm. And it made a light, flaky, tasty pie crust. Right. So every, you know, it came out in 1912. By 1920, pretty much everybody was using it. And then within 30 years, heart attacks uh, in males went from being almost unheard of to killing 350,000 Americans a year. Right. And then sort of shortly beyond that, cancer started cropping up and stuff like that. People don't relate the two things because of the time lag. But I always go to the, uh, the example of uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower. He had a heart attack Well, president. His cardiologist, Dr. White, got his fellowship in cardiology in 1920. He did not see his first heart attack until 1928. And you're trying to think, you know, I worked emergency room work for 18 years. I saw a heart attack every single friggin' day, right? You know, how can a cardiologist not see a heart attack for eight, the first eight years he practiced? But by the time the 50s rolled around, he was seeing heart attacks all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, we don't often relate it, but, you know, 
Crisco, I remember, I, you, you may not remember this, but I remember going to birthdays and, you know, mom would make the icing of the birthday cake of Crisco and icing sugar. Yeah, combine bad fats and sugar, that'll, that'll get you. And you wonder why, you know, the 60s and 70s were, were you know, people born back then are now dropping dead like crazy around yeah. uh, my age now, you know, in their 50s, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's crazy. What a, what a great, great, great story to bring awareness around that. Heart disease is the number one killer in America, maybe in Canada as well. Yeah, it is. It is. And yeah. Although cancer is now getting there neck and neck. I mean, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs, that's for sure. So the audience is going to ask, or they're thinking, all right, fish oil is bad, but can I actually eat the fish? You can certainly eat fish. Fish okay. have been eaten for generations. That's fine. You, and when you cook the when you cook it, you're you're destroying the fats, anyways. And then there's not a whole bunch in there, especially you know people don't realize that the that sardines and stuff that grow on the top layer of the water, they're more warm water. They don't have that much EPA and DHA in it. They don't need it because they're not at cold temperatures, right? Correct. It's the deep deep water fish that are higher in that that sort of stuff. And if you cook it, you're you destroy the fats and and it's got like a lot of good nutrition in it, other unless it's been contaminated with heavy metals and stuff. But right. interesting enough, they uh, in Japan where they eat most of their fish raw, they do have higher rates of brain aneurysms uh, or, or, or hemorrhagic strokes. I mean, than, than the rest of the world, because they have an increased tendency to bleed from having these polyunsaturated fats around. Mm. So it's kind of so interesting. All the whole that, nosebleed thing ties in, right? That to- exactly. It links right back to it. So if you're gonna have fish. Eat it in moderation and cook it and eat more of the fish that have less of the known heavy metals, like salmon. What are some other ones that are known to have less metals? Do you know? Well, anything that has a fast turnover, like sardines and stuff. Like tuna is a bad one because tuna tuna right. eats eats a lot of other fish. So you, anything Shark. that's lower on the yeah. food chain is probably better for you. And, of course, the warmer water ones, you know, the fast, fast turnover. Sardines are sort of the ones that come off the top, but... So sardines, salmon could be okay. Um, scallops, shrimp, those should be. The, yeah, the- fast turnovers, fresh caught, you know, uh, that sort of stuff. I, I, I don't know. It's so hard now uh, because because right. we've got variables. money for plastics to work. Over, you know. There's a lot of variables. Yeah, uh, but just just interesting. There's the, um, there's a paper that just came out showing that the, almost all placental tissue now has microplastics in it. Jeez. And I'm going, uh, okay, now what do we do, right? And of course, if you look at not to come back to. Uh, t- a topic we already mentioned, but if you if you look at what these things are made of, you know these things. The mess, yeah. Uh, that middle layer is all all plastic. Jeez, microplastics, right? So and they're throwing them in, they dump them in the ocean, and then. Uh, yeah, I see, I see it all over the place, and then there people are double, triple masking. So I've spoken about the mask issue before. It triggers a lot of people. And I, I tend to stay away from it just because I want people to get educated on keto and fasting and not turn them off. But I personally do not wear a mask, you know, unless I am traveling on an airplane where you have to right now. But I have a mask that actually doesn't have any plastic. It has colloidal silver. It's more breathable. Yeah, good for you. Yes. And now there's an article that came out showing it has the, uh, uh, they spray the mask in China with pure fluoro, you know, pure fluorocarbon, the, 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 you know, the same stuff that they use in Teflon. And Jeez. we all know how bad that is for you, right? It's yeah. like breathing that stuff in. It's like, okay. Yeah. Know, there's no, yeah. There's, there's one of the big things about masks, of course, there's no regulations around it. Yeah, exactly. Like what, what is it? What, you know, what is it made of? What's, what's it sprayed with? Why do we think we just throw these on people's faces and, and not, not have any regulations about what they really are? Correct. Yeah. My mom has to wear one for work. So I bought her some of the, the ones that I, that I would use as well. Okay. Let's switch gears here and let's, let's, um, 
I want to share because for me, I used to take fish oil for years as a personal trainer, a health coach, a CrossFit owner here in Miami. I used to tell my clients, take fish oil every single day. It's going to help with your uh, joint pain. It's going to help with your skin. It's going to help with your brain. It's kind of regurgitating information that it really didn't, science didn't back it up. And then I came across the research on fish oil from Dr. Pompa. I saw you speak and uh, you and Brian Peskin speak at, at Boca, Boca Raton, Florida, at one of the health centers for the future conference several years ago. And I thought, oh, wow. I need to do some more research on fish oil. And I did. And I immediately stopped taking it, stopped recommending it. I told all my clients that, hey, I was wrong. I, I highly recommend you stop taking it. And then I switched over to a product that you helped formulate called Pureform. And that was about three years ago, maybe even longer. Ever since I did that, it made a big difference for my energy levels. It made a big difference for my health, for my skin complexion, and just my overall feeling uh, of feeling better. So I have been taking it just about every single day since I have given bottles to my mother. I've given bottles to my girlfriend, my dog. I always mention my dog takes it all the time. So I'm completely sold on it. And when it comes to supplements, I'm always a fan of rotating and, and mixing, especially when it comes to like herbs. But one supplement that I actually take and recommend on a consistent basis is Pureform. So what is Pureform? How do you develop it? And how is this a better alternative to the fish oil? So Pureform is a, the reason why Pureform is sort of a basics of anybody's supplement regime, think of it more like a food. It's a, one of the macronutrients. It's a plant-based fat, but it, the, the way it's is processed is it's cold pressed under a blanket of nitrogen. And if you have a capsule there, I don't have, I've got a sealed bottle here, but uh, if you have a, if you see, look at the capsule, there's a bubble of nitrogen in the capsule. So this, this oil is never exposed to oxygen and that's the big key component, right? If it's never been exposed to oxygen, it's just like you've taken it from the ground and eaten it fresh yourself. Yeah. Okay. So because it's 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 been processed in this way, it retains all the function of the fat. And and so when you take in the pure form, and, and again, it's a combination of eating your primrose oil, flaxseed oil, highland like sunflower, pumpkin seed oil, and coconut oil. It's all organic. There's never been sprayed. Not a, uh, We test it all the time for heavy metal exposures and, and stuff. And it's, ne it's always passed by flying colors. It's analyzed every year by Health Canada. Yeah, you can see it. So it's a pure oil and the bubble helps maintain the freshness on the shelf for about up to two years and probably even more. But when you when you put that start putting that stuff in your cell membranes, it gets in your cell membranes very quickly and and starts efficiently making your cell membranes work better. That's why people feel better faster on it, right? So if anyone who's uh, uh, chronically inflamed, they have decreased oxygen delivery to their mitochondria and stuff like that, but those things can correct very, very fast. And uh, what's really satisfying about it, and, you, and you've seen this with some of your clients, is the turnaround time is really fast. So that, yeah. so that when they start taking it, they feel better, like, yeah, as I said, within a few weeks. And, and yeah, I, I see I see it in less than 14 days. I always tell my clients, take this every day. I would, I actually recommend they double the dose of the recommendation here for those first 14 days, and they notice it within those 14 days. That's right. And what's uh, and, uh, fascinating, you know, and I think this is new since we've talked last time, but uh, we did a, we've done a small study in children with uh, epidermolysis bullosa, right? I think we mentioned it. The butterfly disease, right? Butterfly disease. Yeah. These children have a collagen deficiency of their skin and they end up having wounds on their skin with very, very minor trauma and they need constant dressing changes and it's, it's just a just horrible thing. To, to watch. So we've actually been accepted and, and published at the uh, World uh, Wound Care Forum just recently in that study. Amazing. And that was all just using Pureform to help heal wounds faster. Wow. It doesn't prevent the disease, it's a genetic disease, 
but they heal much faster. And, you know, we got a 19 month old kid that hadn't walked because of blisters on his feet. And now he's walking all over the place. And wow. just, just, you know, fun, we're getting these phenomenal results and it's all due to, to increase energy delivery to the cells, increased healing power, that sort of stuff. So Amazing. it just gives you an example. You get someone who's inflamed like that, who is constantly has wounds and you're able to get that better. That that's a big deal. If somebody listening or watching has knows somebody with that disease, where, where can they go to learn more about that study and just what you're doing around that research? Yes, you, you can go to uh, purelifescience.com, all one word, and uh, we have a special page uh, linked there to the epidermolysis uh, or epidermolysis bullosa uh, community. You can look at the study there. Uh, the pictures are there of the of these children who who graciously the parents allowed us to uh, give the product to, and their testimonials are there. It's great. You see my screen? Yeah, I see your screen. Yeah. So yeah, this is the website purelovescience.com. This is actually the supplement that I'm taking. It's the capsule form. There's also the liquid form. Not, I'm not a big fan of the taste of the liquid one, but that's a vegan for, formulation, correct? That's correct. Yeah, the capsules themselves do have uh, are made of. Uh, of gelatin and uh, it's a beef gelatin and that's a biochemical problem because uh, the vegan gelatin is just can't support the oil the oil starts dissolving it and that's that's a you know it is what it is unfortunately yeah and then uh, so i give my dog the liquid one right i put that over his food. i give my dog the liquid one too and he loves it yeah exactly so if you go they like the taste <laughs> He does. He he does love the taste. He he actually since day one he enjoyed it. It actually makes his food a little bit better. So if you go to the website, you can see more information about that. And then we do have uh, a special coupon code for you keto campers. If you get the bottle, uh, you could get four dollars off by using the coupon code Ben Four at checkout. And then you could get the liquid one using Ben Three at three dollars off. But let's talk a little bit more about about the product. I have it here. On my, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I have it here in front of me. It has organic flax, uh, prim organic uh, evening primrose oil, pumpkin oil, high linoleic sunflower oil, and um, extra virgin coconut oil. Now, sunflower oil is typically one of the oils that I recommend as bad unless it's processed the right way. Could you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, again, uh, it's the, to get that proper ratio of omega-6 to omega-3, which is a two and a half to one in the in the product. But uh, it's all organic sunflower. They're, it's again, processed the same way under the blanket of nitrogen. If you look at the average sunflower oil, uh, even organic sunflower oil that's on the shelf, it's not cold pressed, right? And it's the heat, right? Heat and oxygen are bad for fats. Yeah. And again, if anyone wants to see what they really do look at the a video of making canola oil but what they do in, when they make those oils is they they express them under high higher heat and uh, pressure because it extracts more of the oil right when you do cold pressure you actually lose about 20 percent of the oil so you know manufacturers don't like that so they do it under higher heat and higher pressure and the oil goes rancid you know pretty rapidly under those sorts of conditions it smells like rotten fish right so what they do is they deodorize it, they decolor it, they take out all the solids, and then they sell that as a healthy oil. Mm. And it's a dead oil. That's why it can, you know, you can put this oil, uh, you can put a processed oil on the shelf for years and it'll look the same. Whereas if you put pure firm on the shelf for years, it, it will not look the same at all. Totally. <laughs> it yeah. will be gay. It's because it's live. It's basically, a, it's a live product when you get it, you know, and, and if you expose it to oxygen for over a long period of time, you will kill it. Right, exactly. And a question I get asked a lot because I always recommend the product that you guys sponsor the show as well. The question I get asked is, but Ben, I don't see any EPA and DHA in here. How, how does this replace fish oil? 
That's right, but because you make is not enough EPA and DHA from the two primary uh, essential oils in in the product, you generally do not need any exogenous EPA and DHA if you're functioning normally. There are certain conditions, uh, alcoholics and schizophrenics apparently are very, can have some uh, impaired function, but you don't need four grams of fish oil to fix that, right? And as if you start correcting some of the underlying metabolic abnormalities, those things will go get better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I can't highly recommend the product uh, anymore. So the dosage on the bottle is uh, one capsule for every 30 pounds of body weight. Uh, you could also take it before workouts. I've seen it help with my workouts. How does it help with workouts and the lactic acid and the burn from a workout? That's well, you know, you, again, it's all about oxygen delivery, right? So if you uh, are more efficient at getting oxygen in the mitochondria, you're going to stay in aerobic metabolism much longer. Therefore, much less lactic acid buildup. So you should notice that your um, ability to do a longer workout, but you also the recovery will be much shorter. Yeah. And that's what people notice. Their stamina is is excellent on this uh and also they because you you get rid of the lactic acid so fast you don't you know you don't end up with the sore knees and you know if, if anyone's you know doing a, a big workout you know the leg days we'll see you hate yes yeah everybody hates their leg days right they, they skip it <laughs> that's right well the, and i've talked to many bodybuilders and stuff and when they get on pure form their leg days are fine they don't have the issues the next day yeah uh, that that they used to i've seen that foot with myself as well that's right. My, my favorite story is uh, uh, when we first, uh, early on in this process, one of my friends, he had both his knees scoped twice, and he was an ultra marathoner. And I said, you got to start taking this product, you know, and see what you think. And so he did. And in one summer, he ran four 100-kilometer mar- marathons plus the Calgary Death Race, which is 125 kilometers up and down hills, right? Jeez. And he did not have any injuries for the first time in his entire career, and he was 50. Wow. I don't profess that I'm going to be running a hundred kilometers <laughs> yeah. marathon anytime soon, but not that we recommend that either too. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's a great. It's a great testimonial. And I, I read some research. I don't know if you, if you know it, but, uh, Brian Peskin sent me about uh, they did calcium uh, scores and there were some blockages in the arteries and they used pure form and it helped reduce the, the percentage of the blockage. That's right. So that's a case study and you got to be careful about medical claims as always. Correct. But, yeah. And that's one patient within he had used the product for about eight months and his calcium coronary artery calcium score improved by 22 percent. Wow. And, a, and the cardiologist who uh, examined him said he'd never seen more than a 5% improvement in any year-to-year calcium artery score before. So, again, there's good theories uh, as to why that is true. The intima or the innermost layer of the artery is almost exclusively omega-6, like your skin is. And I'm, I think that the, uh, the, the processed fats damage the intima of our arteries, and that chronic inflammatory state allows the plaque to build up. So when you reverse all that inflammation of the inner part of your artery, you heal, right? And, the, and you heal quite rapidly. Yeah. Is the intima also 1,000 omega-6 to omega-3? Yeah. It, it, if you think about it, it makes sense because anything, arteries, skin, gut lining, they're all barriers, right? And so... They, they separate inside from outside. There's, there's liquid on both sides, but they don't let them mix, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, so if you think about it, it makes sense that the skin and the in, inside of the artery would have the same function. The skin keeps that, things out. The artery keeps things in, right? So makes that, sense. That, yeah, it makes sense. And then one more anecdotal evidence or, or story that we'll share before we land the plane here. When we were in Boca at the, at the conference we were, we were speaking at, 
we had dinner and there was a group of us and there was uh, some alcohol going around. There was, I, I wasn't drinking because I don't drink, but a lot of people did drink. And you actually recommended for them to take the pure form so they would it would prevent them from feeling hungover the next day. Could you share more about that? Yeah, well, if it, all about oxygen delivery to the brain and stuff, right? So alcohol uh, undergoes, you know, alcohol dehydrogenase and stuff like that. But the but since the brain is seventy percent fat, you put all those good fats in the brain, you don't get the headaches, you don't get the the little bit of brain swelling and inflammation that that most you know after a binge night out, most people would feel the next day. You might be a little tired because it you know alcohol actually does disturb your sleep pattern a little bit, mm-hmm. but you won't have the headache and all the other stuff. Yeah those who drank didn't have the headache and they weren't hungover and they they all took the pure form. So that was great. So uh, I want to thank you, Dr. Jeff, for coming on the show for the third time. (laughs) You and uh, your business partner, John, are doing great work with Pure Forum. Uh, I hope that the keto campers are inspired to do some some research. We, We dive deeper into fish oil on episode 75 of the Keto Camp Podcast if you really want to get into the research on how dangerous it is. And then we also dive deeper into the cell membrane and vegetable oils and how your, your genes work on episode 136. So I'll link both of that down below. And then you can make a decision if you want to stop taking it and uh, switch over to the Pure Form. You would go to purelifescience.com. You could use the coupon code BEN4 for the bottles and the coupon code BEN3 for the liquid. We'll drop links for that down below as well. I want to thank you, Dr. Jeff, for coming on the show again and just spreading the research and the brilliance that you did today. Thanks, Ben. It's always great talking to you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Jeff Matheson. If you want to get pure form, which is the supplement we spoke about. I just love that supplement. Head to purelifescience.com. Use Ben4 at checkout. They actually sponsor the show as well. I like the capsules. I would go for that one versus the liquid. We'll put a link for that down below in the podcast notes. If you want to watch the video version of this interview with Dr. Jeff Matheson, that could be found on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ketocamp, camp spelled with a K. I also want to encourage you to join us on Clubhouse. Uh, every Monday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, my handle on there is at TheBenazadi. That is the same as my Instagram handle. I co-host with Cynthia Thurlow on Clubhouse. A reminder that my Ketosis Masterclass is coming up. Register your free spot over at ketosismasterclass.com. And if you haven't left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating or a review yet on Apple Podcasts, please do so right now. Take a screenshot when you do. Send that screenshot to support at ketocamp.com and we'll reply with a free Keto Flex cookbook. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You'll hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.